Okay, okay. Begin to draw your discussion. Now, um, just shout out a few of those at me. What did people say was their favorite Christmas carol? Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem. Very good. Hands up if that's one of your favorites. Brilliant. Another one? Oh, Holy Night. Oh, Holy Night. Anybody else love that one? Oh, that's a popular one too. Joy to the World. Hands up if that's a popular one. Another one? Little Donkey. Little Donkey, that's Matt. Matt's favorite one is Little Donkey. Matt, can you sing Little Donkey? No, I'm joking. Um, at the end of the service, Matt's going to give us a solo of Little Donkey. Um, anybody else? Anybody else? Oh, come all you faithful. Oh, we've got another one back there. Hark how the bells. I don't think I know that one. You can sing a solo of that one later if you want. <laughs> um, uh, anybody else? Last one. Away in a manger. No, none of you have mentioned the right answer. <laughs> Sorry, that's a little harsh. Hark the herald angels sing. Who likes that one? Now, I, I, yeah, it's a good one. Now, you don't just have to agree with the vicar. It's fine. Your ones count as well. Um, I, I love um, a good cow. I'm really looking forward to Christmas, and I'm looking forward to singing some of these cows. Some of the lyrics in some of these cows are extraordinary. They're really profound. Um, but I also... And I had a little moment in the worship there where I, 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 Bex might have wondered where I was going. I disappeared to the back. And she probably thought, help, where's the vicar gone? Um, and I just um, stood at the back and I looked out as I was worshipping. And um, I was worshipping, but I also just sort of clocked some of the people in the room. And some of, no, 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 not in a bad way. Some of, some of the, um, and if you're not here, I don't, no, no. Um, but some of the stories in the room at the moment as well, as we head into the Christmas season. Uh, some of the emails I've received or bad news that people have received or difficult situations that are in or two people here who were baptized just last week and probably on cloud nine. A whole variety there of stories. Uh, and what I'm really keen and why we're doing a series called The Advent Conspiracy, and a, a series on Advent, is that the unique thing about Advent and the important thing about Advent is that it doesn't rush us straight to Christmas and joy to the world. That's the last time I sang it. That wasn't even singing. Um, I stopped myself short. Good. Um, that we don't just rush to that and ignore the stories in the room. So... Advent isn't just about rushing to Christmas, it's about actually acknowledging taking the darkness as well and some of the difficult things in our lives to allow the hope and joy of Christmas to really speak to those. Because if the message of Christmas doesn't speak and transform somehow those situations, then what's the message of Christmas really mean to us this year? Because it's not just about turkey and tinsel and nativity scenes. It's about light stepping into darkness. It's about hope in bleak situations. It's about properly engaging with the darkness in the world, that the light might actually go deeper and more profound. Because you see, you can, if you're not careful, rush into Advent and rush into Christmas at kind of this surface level, busy, active, doing all sorts of stuff, and you can arrive at Christmas Day and feel further away from Jesus than you did at the start. 
if you're anything like me. <laughs> and what we want to be able to do is not just at this surface level travel through the story, but go much deeper in a way that, that digs down into some of the darkness and pain and issues that actually we're facing in life if we're honest and don't distract ourselves with Christmas trees and sail shopping. Because if Christmas isn't good news to that, then it'll just be a surface thing and you'll arrive at Christmas and you won't be close to Jesus and Christmas will be wrapped, and, uh, wrapped up and over and you'll be a bit like, huh, what was all that about? I've got a big dent in my bank balance, but that's about it. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you. I don't think there's anybody here who wants that. Which is why I love some of um, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Because you know what, Bex is absolutely right in her kind of challenge to us as well, her sensitivity to the spirit and her challenge to us in that worship time is, we should be singing from the rooftops at times. This is extraordinary news that we're about to proclaim, re-proclaim to the world. This is amazing. And you can do that if you do Advent right. You can do that at the same time as holding on to some of the issues that we're facing in the world at the moment, some of the darkness. That's what Advent's about. So listen to some of the lyrics of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, but it acknowledges the situation we're in in the next line. God and sinners reconciled. It says, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings but also born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth, because we need it. Advent helps us hold on to the proclamation of that first Christmas, that first Advent coming, that the light of the world has come into the world, and it's extraordinary and it changes everything. But also, to not fast track and ignore everything that actually is going on in life and the world as well. And somehow also to hold on to the second advent which the Bible speaks of when Jesus will return and to hold on with that with confidence and faith. You know, Paul does this. Um, he, um, he, in our reading for today, which I'm about to come to um, from Luke 1, uh, Mary receives this extraordinary news that she's pregnant with the Son of God, that, that God, the eternal triune God, is coming into creation. It, in, at some point, it must have been just like a single cell. How weak can you be <laughs> um, in her body? This extraordinary news. And, and then she um, goes through this pregnancy, as it were, this waiting, this longing, this expectation but also these labour pains and frustration and anxiety at waiting for Jesus to come. And we are now before the second advent, and Paul talks about this in Romans 8, that all of creation is groaning in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. That there's a kind of pregnancy which the world is going through now, a sure and certain hope of what's to come, but frustration and labour pains. Excitement, yes, but also the reality to walk through. Do you see? And um, a good advent is done when we somehow manage to live in between those two things well. 
This is what um, the Bishop of London says in a little book that she's put out that accompanies a, an app which you could download load, called A Good Advent, which gives a little Bible reflection and um, a bit of artwork every day that you can track the um, Advent in. I've downloaded it. I might use it in my Advent um, quiet times. But she says this in the book that accompanies it. She said, A good Advent recognises the shadows and that the light has come into the world. A good advent recognises that the light is coming into the world again and that the darkness will not overcome it. So it's both, you see, light and darkness. We don't distract ourselves during this season like telling, if I were to, we've done through, gone through it three times now, but if my wife was in labour, I said, don't worry, it's going to be fine. Here's some tinsel. <laughs> I probably wouldn't go down very well. Let me put on some fairy lights. I need an epidural, would probably be what she says, not some fairy lights. <laughs> so it's not ignoring the labour, but at the same time, it's not denying the fact that um, there is great joy to come. And we know there is. We know that it's worth the wait. I don't know many parents who, when they're holding their baby in their arms, say, no, it wasn't worth it. Of course you don't. So how do we, um, how do, we do those things? Because we're not very good at waiting. And in many ways, our time now is waiting. We've had the light of the world to come into the world, but we're waiting for the fulfillment of that to come. Uh, C.S. Lewis talks about it as the shadow lands. But there's light, but there's still shadow. And uh, so how do we do that? We're not very good at waiting. I'm, I'm hopeless at waiting. This morning... <laughs> Um, Michelle kindly said that she'd make me some porridge. And in the time that it takes porridge to cook, I'd forgotten and had Weetabix. <laughs> and so I was coming to my last mouthful of Weetabix, and Michelle was like, hang on, I've, I've just made you porridge. I'm so sorry, I'll still eat the porridge as well, I'll eat the porridge as well. Because I couldn't wait six minutes for my porridge. I had to have my Weetabix. Uh, yesterday, I was on a, it was, we celebrated Ava's birthday yesterday. We had a party in the afternoon. And Michelle got us all out of the house in the morning. I had to run some errands. And um, I took the three kids and I took the puppy. And um, I had this moment, you might have seen it if you're on Facebook and see me on Facebook, uh, where I was walking in the rain with the three of them and clocked that I was probably into three figures on the number of times I'd said, come on, <laughs> to at least one of them on that 20-minute walk or whatever it was. Um, because I, I'm impatient. Who uses Amazon and sometimes the benefits of Amazon Prime delivery? And how frustrated do we get if it doesn't arrive the next day, as it's meant to? Uh, we've got uh, a couple of friends staying with us this weekend because one's come down for Ava's birthday party. Um, and th and th she lives in London. They live in London. where we and, and there you can actually get Amazon Prime same day, where you can order in the morning and it will be with you by 6 p.m. in the evening or something. It's ridiculous, isn't it? We're so impatient. This was um, a little video this week um, from the office when I nipped out of the office and Phil captured this video of our puppy, Auburn, eagerly waiting for me to return. Um, have we got that video? Will it work? <laughs> it just says at the top, where's Mike? Where's Mike? As he's just saying, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Um, okay, you can take that off now. People just, he is very cute. Yes, I know, I know. Um, uh, we're not very good at waiting. Uh, Advent, understanding the message of Advent and Christmas helps us 
wait well, to do Christmas well, that we won't just do it on the surface, we won't rush, but that we'll go deeper and we'll allow the message to go deeper and it will make for a better Christmas and a fresher experience of that, or first experience for that. I remember my last Christmas Eve saying a, a similar thing um, and there was a boy, a teenager, 16-year-old, who was just on his journey back to faith. And I, it was the midnight service. And um, I used the line from Narnia, I think. I said, you know, there's that line in Narnia. It's like, it's always winter, but never Christmas. And I said, for some of us today, as we leave, it might be that as you leave at this midnight service, this will actually be the first Christmas you truly experience. And you've had lots of winters but it's never really been Christmas. I long that we'll get to Christmas Day and it will really be Christmas. So that's why we're doing an Advent teaching series. And uh, Mary, in her song, in the Bible passage from today, says this. If, you haven't got, if you've got your Bible or you've got a mobile phone with it on, um, turn to uh, Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to finally get to reading our reading for today. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26 to 38, and then we'll jump to 46. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. You don't say. Now, if anybody pauses to have a look at any, there's loads of artwork out there of the Annunciation, which is this moment of Jesus, of Mary receiving this news. And um, I, I don't think I've come across a bit of artwork that is truthful, really, at this point. One I saw even this morning was of Mary sort of serenely there with a bunch of flowers and an open Bible as if she'd just be doing her Bible study, ignoring the fact that the whole of the Bible wasn't accessible then, bound books weren't accessible then. Um, uh, it, was, it was quite ridiculous, really. It was laughable. Anyway, she's scared. We know she's scared. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You've found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Good question. Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Mary hurries to um, Elizabeth's home. Uh, it would have been quite a journey. And then um, shortly after arriving, bursts into song. Uh, it's uh, what many people know as the Magnificat. The first Christmas carol, perhaps. And it goes like this. Mary said, verse 46, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. 
Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Now there's much that um, I could say on this. Uh, It's this extraordinary, extraordinary story. There's three things particularly that I want to draw out that Mary mentions just in a couple of verses of her Magnificat which I think if we can, at the beginning of the season, begin to get our heads around afresh, it might help us arrive on Christmas Day a little bit differently. And um, she says this. If you glance again at the reading from verse 49, she says, For the Mighty One has done great things for me. That's the first thing. This is a mighty act of God in history. And... um, I want us to realise just how nuts what is being said here in this passage is. Because we can get so used to the story. But Christians believe nothing less than this. That the eternal triune God of history stepped into our world as a baby. God on earth. Veiled in flesh the Godhead seen. Hail the incarnate deity. It's a mighty act of God. If you find yourself just singing the songs and it not penetrating deeper this Advent as we get closer to Christmas, it might be because you haven't let the weight of that really hit you. This is a mighty, extraordinary act of God that's being announced. I had a moment like this. I was fortunate enough to go to Israel a few years ago and we went to Bethlehem and the guide that we had was brilliant and everywhere he went, he'd say, he'd give each place we went like kind of a bit of a grading for us to help us. He'd kind of say, um, this is a C historical site in that what we're talking about here didn't really happen here. Like this isn't the cave or the field that the shepherds, you know, we we don't know that. But it might have been representative of of how they were and what it was like that night, you know, or wherever it might have been. Uh, But if he said this is an A place, that meant we know that this is where this happened. And this is why. I have to admit, whilst the whole trip was amazing, the huge privilege, it was the bits that were A places that kind of hit me harder. Uh, The place that hit me hardest, you might hear more about uh, Easter. It was when we went to um, Caiaphas's house. And I sat in the cell that Jesus would have sat in the night before he died for me. And we know it was there. I was within a couple of foot where Jesus was preparing to die for me. The other time was in Bethlehem. And the guide said, this isn't A, (laughs) but it's within 200 metres, 300 metres probably of A, that Jesus came into the world as a baby. And I had a, oh my goodness. I remember myself, I was a a curate at the time. 
was there with the bishop and a bunch of other curates. And I remember thinking, do I really believe this? That God became man. Wow. <laughs> Within a couple hundred meters of where I'm standing right now. It really happened. This is a mighty act for God that Mary is acknowledging has started in her womb. The incarnation is happening. This is a mighty act of God. We need to let that go deeper. The next thing she says is she says, Holy is his name. There's a lot wrapped up in that. Holy is his name. She acknowledged, she's acknowledging in that something of the characteristic of God which is so important. It's to why he needs to come into the world. Because he is holy and he is perfect and he is light and we are not. There's another favourite carol of mine, o Holy Night. Some of you mentioned. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared. I love this line. Does anybody know it? Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. What Mary is acknowledging in this line is that God is holy and yet he loves the world that is in sin and error pining and in darkness and in pain and suffering so much that he will step into it to deal with that darkness. He could just ignore it. It's their fault. And he'd be within his rights to do so. But in his holiness and in his mercy, which we'll come into a minute, he steps into the world to deal with the problem. And to deal with your problems. And to deal with our sin. This is a mighty act of God. This is a holy act of God. Uh, it's one of the more uncomfortable things about Christmas and about Advent. You know that feeling in the morning if somebody opens the curtains too fast? The sun flies in and you retreat under the duvet. Anybody else ever done that? Um, there's a sense in which at Christmas where the light suddenly shines again, if we'll allow it, where it exposes our hearts again and the areas in which us and our world are far from God, if we're really honest. And the question is, again, as you start singing these carols, do you allow the holiness of this news challenge you, expose you, make you reflect again on your weakness or your areas of sin and darkness. This is a mighty act of God. This is a holy act of God that's coming. Finally, though, she says, his mercy extends to those who fear him. His mercy extends to those who fear him. I came across this little quote. It says about God, it says, because it's ho he's holy, God must do something. Because he's merciful, he wants to do something. Because he's powerful, he can do something, and he does it. Power, he's mighty, he can do something, and so he will. Holy, just, perfect, so he must do something in the world. Merciful, because he wants to do something, because he loves us, 
because he wants to see us restored and not just discarded as in some ways we, we, we deserve to be he says no I want to step in and save and bring light into their darkness and to save them and for some of us this Christmas it will be a, a fresh move a fresh um, touch of the spirit giving us this making our souls feel it's worth again that he would do this for me that he would show such mercy to me the mighty one God has done great things for me and for you in stepping into our world he is holy we are not and we need that message this Christmas as much as ever but he's merciful he's good he longs to save us and to step into our lives to give us a Christmas like we've never experienced in years like that 16-year-old boy walking out of the service. And he said to me, he said to me afterwards, he said, I could see it in his face. As I said that, this might be your first Christmas. He just, just smiled, his face lit up. And I thought, he is going to experience Christmas, this Christmas. Like he's never experienced it before. He came back to tell me he did. My hope is that for all of us, whether you know this story inside out and have for years, or whether it kind of new for the first time this Christmas that you will experience a Christmas like you never have before and we want to help you on that journey in doing that in doing Advent and Christmas really really well and so one of the ways you can is before you leave today do pick up this notes booklet which um, Phil's largely put together for us um, over the last um, few weeks and they will help you in life groups or in your own personal study to, to dig deep a little bit to discuss some of the scriptures and some of the talk um, if you've got kids, there's family resources that you can download from kids' um, colouring sheets for this to um, uh, 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 like an alternative advent calendar, kind of an advent calendar bingo of different ways in which there would be readings or activities or fun things that you can do as a family um, to try and engage more in the season. Um, as well as silly questions like, do you think Jesus would prefer roast potatoes, pigs in blankets or sprouts? Um, you can discuss that to your heart's content around the uh, kitchen table and um, perhaps see the irony that a Jewish boy would think about pigs in blankets. Um, but, you know, if any of your kids pick up that one up, they're probably an Oxbridge candidate. So, um, yeah. Um, and, and begin to apply this story as well to your, to your life. That's one of the ways that might help you this Christmas to do that. It might help you to download the app that I talked about. We're going to try also to... Um, um, I, this isn't just going to be me. I'm going to ask some people to, to help me from the congregation. So perhaps there, there's a reading suggested for each day of Advent. And I'm going to see whether between us we can't prepare a quick like one minute thought each day to kind of help the rest of us journey through Advent well. Um, and we'll find a way to, to send that out. Probably put it up on the Facebook page or something like that um, to try and distribute it to people. And um, if you're not on Facebook, we'll find another way. But... Um, we want to enable as many of us as possible to go on a journey this Advent, this Christmas, in which we worship more fully the God that's come into the, is coming into the world and will come into the world. That we acknowledge the mighty act that he's done, that he is holy and that he is merciful. So as we sing these carols together, we sing them with greater meaning. And we carry some of the stuff that we're facing in the world now and allow it to breathe hope and good news into those very situations. 
rather than skirt over the top and distract ourselves with all the Christmas decorations and activity and then find that actually the good news of Christmas hasn't really ministered to the things that matter to us most right now. Do you see? I think that's all I need.